0: Hi there, I'm Jordan Bonaparte, and on my show, Nighttime, I seek out and explore Canada's most fascinating stories. Nighttime stories are told using intimate discussions with those affected,
1: They left you there. That was the last time
0: anyone ever saw her. Jailhouse interviews with those held responsible.
1: The context of that
2: meeting would be some kind of mass shooting.
0: And any other way necessary to get you to the heart of the story. You can join me by subscribing to Nighttime wherever you get
3: streaming audio. Sometime in the early 80s, REO Speedwagon's airplane made an unannounced middle-of-the-night landing. This is my friend Kyle McLaughlin, the star of Twin Peaks. And he's telling me about how he discovered a real-life Twin Peaks in rural North Carolina, not far from where he filmed Blue Velvet. What was on the plane was copious amounts of drugs coming in from South America. Supposedly, Pablo Escobar went looking for other spots, quiet, out-of-the-way places to bring in his cocaine. My name is Joshua Davis, and I'm an investigative reporter.
0: Kyle and I talk all the time about the strange things we come across. But nothing was quite as strange as what
3: we found in Varnumtown, North Carolina. There's Crooked Cops, Brother Against Brother. Everyone's got a story to tell, but does the truth even exist? Welcome to Varnum Town. Varnum Town is available wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim, here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I couldn't be better. How are you today, Tim? I am wonderful, Lance. And in this episode, we recorded live on Get Vocal a few weeks ago with our good friend
0: Rebecca Sebastian from Dialogue. We talk a bit about cults. We really did not expect the conversation to go in the direction of cults for so long, but she is... uh... I guess an unofficial expert in some of these cults. Uh, She shares a personal story about how she was approached by a cult, which is kind of crazy. And she's also talking a lot about Nexium, which is the cult that is featured in the HBO series, The Vow. We talk about that a lot. And we interact with all the people that come to our Thursday Night Get Vocal. Really fun conversation. Okay, Lance, we'll get to that in one
1: moment, but we wanted to mention that you may have heard some of the ads we've run for something called the True Crime Podcasters Survival Guide, and that is a new course that Lance and I are undertaking.
0: Yeah, this course is really exciting to us. It's brought to everybody by a company called Avid, A-V-I-D Learning. So Avid Learning, it's an app, and it's sort of a masterclass. And what we're doing, Tim and I, is presenting our masterclass on how to succeed in creating a podcast business sort of a peek behind the curtains on how to i guess not fail in this podcast landscape especially in the true crime genre balancing the business part with the advocacy part with the content part so it's everything that you're going to get if you're thinking about starting a podcast and you're not sure exactly what to do there's a lot of things that tim and i don't talk about in the public that you'll hear on this course
1: Okay, so you can check out that course at avid.fm slash truecrime. That's A-V-I-D dot F-M slash truecrime. Okay, everybody, and here is our interview with Bex Seabass, Rebecca Sebastian of Dialogue and Yellow Tape. Hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's nine p m on Thursday night. It's crawlspace's gossip pod. What's going on? I am Tim here tonight, as always, with Lance Lance what's up
0: well the uh the bells have tolled nine times from the town square here in just north of the revolutionary city of Boston.
1: Okay, and, uh, good to be here. And uh, we are being joined by crawlspace Media Network all-Star Rebecca Sebastian. What's going on, Bex?:
2: Hi you guys. I didn't plan an intro. I have no regional accent. I have nothing, but I am so happy to be here.:
0: Well, you you know what you do have. You've got your dialogue poster there in the background. Oh, this whole thing that thing strategically placed
1: <laughs> oh I thought that was much bigger like in on the floor back there uh, really, this, is,
0: this
2: is tiny look like
0: an so optical illusion like, oh that was weird I thought the same thing
2: yeah no this is actually just like a table topper with a QR code so people can go right to the podcast when I'm at like an event or whatever
1: well if you're watching this live right now on Thursday night at 9pm uh, on Twitter on Facebook or YouTube why don't you click the link and toggle your button but over on to get vocal, sign up, interact right here because there's a whole chat room, a group of people interacting, like minded people who love the show. They're here to
0: to talk to Bex. They want to talk true crime and whatever else, whatever else. You know, if you are watching on Twitter, you don't even have to interact here. You can just pop on over and and, you know, type some messages in there. You don't have to get on screen. No pressure. Yeah.
1: And if you just want to watch, you just want to be an observer, and that's fine. I get that. Maybe you want to stay on Twitter. Some people just like to watch. Or YouTube. Hey, that's fine, too. But you know what? Still, you should toggle your butt over to get vocal, though, because the chat room here is going, and it's hilarious. There's a whole separate conversation that happens every Thursday night
0: that you want to be a part of, okay? It's the
2: story within the story.
0: Within the story. Behind the curtain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I I will say it's not just one. It's not just one conversation. There are several conversations. If you are a budding psychologist and you are looking for some mental um, thought experiment, come on over here. Just observe the conversation and take notes. And you can probably write a complete dissertation on this this one message board tonight. Easily.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Easily. So Rebecca Sebastian of Dialogue. How are you tonight?
2: I'm good. I'm good. It's late, and um, it's been Thursday. It's been a busy week. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. I am uh, overtired and overworked a little bit. That is how I'm feeling, but try not to complain.
1: Tonight, we wanted to talk a little bit about some UFOs. There was a story that that broke on, uh, on some kind of... Um, some kind of U- UFO message board UFO sightingsdaily.com it's a pretty fringy site I'm going to be honest
2: sounds, sounds, <laughs> sounds sound reputable <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but it's a you know it's okay hey a, a, a news article on a site is, is a news article on a site you got to make sure it's legit though um, and then when you look at this one you find out that it actually is a good year blimp uh, it wasn't a, uh, an unidentified flying object. It was a Goodyear blimp, and it has been identified. So, mystery solved on that
0: one. Okay, so um, six minutes in, uh, we just found this out, guys. We 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 were we got the we asked Rebecca to be on, and then our good friend Morph sent us the link. Uh, because he's obsessed with Bigfoot and UFOs and he sent us the link. So we're like, okay, Rebecca, we're going to talk about UFOs because this just broke Uh, many, many sightings over New Jersey. And then what was it like an hour before we got on here? It was discovered to be uh, a Goodyear blimp. Well, I actually
2: didn't hear that. So this is breaking news for me. I was fully prepared with my theories, my conspiracies, my thoughts. um, But mostly I just feel like New Jersey did not disappoint in those videos (laughs) <laughs> how much do we love those witnesses with their phones <laughs> they're so good
4: yo dead ass. look it's a f***ing spaceship look the whole street is f***ed up there's a flying spaceship look oh I gotta park for this yo what no way I'm everybody in the highway right now <laughs>
1: It's especially funny when you know that they're actually filming a Goodyear blimp. Oh
2: yeah. And how angry they got when people were like honking because it was causing like safety issues. And she's like, excuse me, we're looking at a UFO. You could go around me. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like she was not having it. So that I was there for just the New Jersey essence. Like that is my New Jersey. And that is my New Jersey.
1: <laughs> I do feel like there's uh lessons to be learned from this though aren't there like wh- like wh- what is what
2: is that uh, think.
1: right all right, right there's something at play Herd right? mentality herd mentality yeah,
2: yeah. everyone's they, like they're looking i gotta look
1: but i assume there was a population of people who saw it in the sky and knew that it was a good year blimp i mean those witnesses weren't uh interviewed in what i read but
2: i mean to be fair it looked nothing like any Limp I've ever seen in the sky.
1: If you if you leave the videos again, and you look a like it's just it's. I'm not like saying a most
2: logical explanation is it's definitely a UFO. I'm just saying I could see how you'd want another look.
1: Oh, I would have been pumped up. Don't get me yeah wrong. yeah
2: yeah yeah. Phone is out for sure, just in case. De-
1: definitely. Yeah. Uh, howdy to the chat room. Uh, the chat room is filling up. Pirational, Jason, Brooke, what's up, oh, good Jeff, things. Jade, Mar- Margie, Jason, Lee Miller, what's going on, everyone? Braun, Jillian, Jenna Mel, Susie, Shannon, Sh- Amanda.
0: Uh, Jason, I think we owe him an email. I also owe him a bottle of honey. Um, but on this uh, UFO uh you know sighting that really wasn't a ufo sighting is there a bit of confirmation bias is that the word i'm looking for i mean the other uh, term i'm looking for like they want to see a ufo they they're probably looking at it and they're like that ufo says good year
1: oh
2: my god like <laughs> yeah that's what they would want us to think
1: <laughs> they're being sarcastic they know this is the worst year ever <laughs> but
2: it's just so like an alien i still maintain that i would have been the people spreading the rumors
1: and I don't oh, even
2: for sure. know if I believe the aliens, but that looks
1: like a UFO. Has anyone seen The uh, the Social Dilemma, that uh, documentary on uh, Netflix?
2: Not yet. It's on the short list. My yeah, mom told me to watch it.
1: It's pretty frightening. That, they said, I, I might have to watch it again, but they, they, there was like a stat like uh, fake news travels six times faster on social media than uh, non-fake news. Like, I'd have to look that up again, but I feel like this is where we're going tonight with this conversation. Feels like it.
2: Have you ever shared something so fast that you didn't even fully read it? You're just like you feel so much about it that you're like share and it's so easy now especially like from Instagram to a story. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me just read that through real quick, see who wrote it and if this is like ufsightings.com or, you know, CNN or whatever. And I've definitely put stuff up and been like, I'm taking that down like that wasn't that wasn't the best thing to put up. So I believe that. I think we we spread it so quick cuz it's too easy. And it triggers like a reaction and you want people to react as well with you. So yeah. it makes sense to me.
1: And I think times have changed a little bit with that as we've all kind of become more aware of fake news after the 2016 election. And uh, so I think maybe that was true for me personally before that I would like the headline was obviously still the most important thing. But uh, yeah, I, I think I probably got caught in that trap too. And now I definitely don't because I really want to make sure and then i want to make sure that the news article is a reputable source and, ma- and make sure there are other news articles out there exactly exactly what happened yeah w- what happened tonight with the ufo the story if we had just gone on without trying to verify it then we'd be talking about this uh goodyear blimp
2: <laughs> i'd be calling my parents in new jersey are you there mom answer are you okay
1: And then people would watch it and be like, holy shit, there are aliens taking over New Jersey.
2: Yeah. But strategically, like, if it was going to happen, do you think they'd go to New Jersey first? Or do you think that'd be like... (laughs) They would absolutely
0: go. And that's why we call this the gossip pod because we can just go off and say there are aliens over New Jersey, um, and Joe Biden played N.W.A. for Latino people two nights ago. So, did there. you
2: see that? We saw that, right? Everyone saw that.
0: You saw no that, way. so it had to happen. Wait, I
1: just want to point out that uh, the war, uh, Jillian says the War of the Worlds radio play was set in New Jersey, which I did not know. The the Orson Welles vehicle. Uh, but what what was that? Is there uh,
0: should we hit on that?
2: yeah lance tell them what happened
0: well joe biden um was it was a it was a latin convention and he came out and he played uh despacito right he played despacito from his phone
2: the full spanish version and it was just weird because like he took his moment at the podium to introduce himself by turning on music and playing it like in spanish it was just a little cringy
0: it was a little cringy but the the the, um, you know, disinformation campaign started and Trump tweeted out, uh, what is this? And it was a video with doctored audio where he was playing N.W.A.'s uh, F the police. Oh, my yeah. god!
2: Oh, I see. This is interesting because my boss showed me that and he said that came out from Trump's camp, like the doctored version. And he The is... doctored
0: version did. Yeah.
2: Right. They altered it. Yeah. Yeah. OK, OK. Wanted to make sure that I had that
1: right. I can't yeah. believe I didn't hear about this. Um and so they admitted they altered it so it was obviously some kind of political joke. Uh, you know I what's guess. funny is like
0: I don't think anyone admitted anything. I think it just, just it was just put out there to the world and and it was just left for everybody to to follow up on and say no that wasn't NWA that was uh that was Despacito
2: and also just felt like a weird use of their time like. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Yeah, like, a little.
0: bit.
2: <laughs> I was just like, that like took a minute to craft a response and and poignantly like make that statement and put it out. It just feels like, what is everyone doing? Can you like focus on getting the job? Can you do it while you're there? Like, it's getting irritating, frankly.
0: Well, here's some good news. So they they have signs of life on Venus. If we're talking, just just to, just to uh, pigeon or just uh, you know shoehorn it back into the UFO topic. Um, yeah, signs of life on Venus. Phosphine, phosphine yeah. gas. Was
4: found.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's an that was an excellent uh, story. Interesting uh, to read. Hopefully, uh, we learn more. But people who are into UFOs are also sort of into their own little cult, aren't they?
2: There could be a a cultic aspect to it. Uh, Maybe I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Although Heaven's Gate certainly wasn't that their whole thing that this was going to all, this was going to all happen. This was going to end with the the ship taking them up. So yes, probably the answer would be yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think it, it, there's a lot of kind of culty things going on out there today. I mean, I think politics, you could say it on each and every side uh, out there. There's, it, it's sort of like a cult kind of mentality. I think any kind of group that, Sort of bands
0: together. Uh...
2: People who buy Lululemon leggings. That's well, cult. <laughs>
0: I think there's a I think there's a difference between a cult and a tribe. And sure. Uh, you know our buddy jeff can speak to this like uh, the tribe theory the tribe mentality and it's just you know it's a, it's it's very similar to sports fans if you you're you're a fan of the patriots or a fan of the eagles for whatever reason um then you know you you i know yeah i just had to use that because well that's the thing like if you're a fan of the eagles it takes a very special type of person so you unite And it's a it's a united tribe type mentality. Um, I don't know where that line is. Rebecca, where's the line before the tribe mentality becomes a cult? I'm so
2: glad you asked, because Mm. a week ago I would not have had the answer. But I just interviewed. um,
0: I have a sixth sense about these things. So
2: I almost finished this crazy, dense book and I interviewed him. So the major marker and the major difference would be destructive behavior. So there are benign cults that exhibit a lot of the cult behavior but they're benign because they don't cause destruction either financially emotionally psychologically and also you're looking for a totalitarian leader Mm -hmm. so that's where let's say a true crime tribe could turn cult-like if the person and the podcaster for example they're following they uh refuse to maybe see that they've done something wrong or committed a crime themselves if that happened and they would just blindly kept supporting them and wouldn't el- accept that maybe this person perpetrated a crime like that could like start to become cultic. But th- it's a fine line. So you're looking for destructive behavior and for one leader kind of having this this reign like always on top, just one person.
0: OK, and they're looking for that one person. They need that person to follow, to be the totalitarian uh dictator? Is dictator the right word?
2: No, because a dictator doesn't make you think you have a choice. And I think a cult leader is so much more dangerous because they make you think you have a choice. And this whole conditioning process happens to where people buy in. I mean, most people aren't like hi, welcome to our cult, like sign up, join, you're never gonna leave. It's so much more insidious. They don't know what they're getting into until they're so deeply in. And usually the main leader is kept very behind. It's very Oz, right? It's like behind at the high, high levels. You don't interact with them a lot. So there's like this team underneath them and they're the real propagators and they're the the galvanizers and the people expanding the cult and growing it all the time. So there's other people just as powerful but it's the higher the highest person up there that they're going for but they don't but they think they have a choice they believe they do
0: well i i my brain just went to the vatican when you said the highest the higher people up there the the highest people up there is this uh i mean how is religion not a cult how is the pope not that how is the pope not that wizard of oz you know behind the the curtain character
2: well i think that's a good question i'm honestly just a little disclaimer here i'm just really like more than low-key interested in cults. I'm not an expert, so please, everyone, feel free to fact-check this, but I did just speak to someone who literally wrote the book on it and is an expert and is in all these um, documentaries, and he's a source people go to.
0: We'll have him on our show in a couple of weeks.
2: I guess in the religious sense, there is that, that leader. There's a priest, there's a pastor, and there's a lot of people in place to protect that ultimate leader, but you have to look at destructive behavior. And again, it gets weird because you can look at something like Catholic Church and say, well, there has certainly been destructive behavior, but that's criminal. That's actually not in the DNA of the religion. That's like a human failure, you know, a moral failure. So I would say it's not built into the DNA by design of the religious group to cause harm. So that's the distinction. And and what Rick Allen Ross told me is that most cults don't really have a spiritual religious aspect. They're spiritual in the sense that they draw seekers. And people asking big questions and like, but they're not usually religious. And they're often just about self-improvement and um, even sales, like multi-level marketing might be more in line with a cult than an actual organized religion. Um, So very, very interesting.
0: Oh, that's an interesting point. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Sales?
2: Well, like in terms of an MLM, a multi-level marketing format is your success is dictated by the success of people you bring in as salespeople and you get part of their sales and then the people under them get part of their sales. So it's, it's the pyramid scheme. So there are functional MLMs that don't operate that way. And then there are the ones that that do. And you know, is that a cult? Because there's finances involved. There's breaking the law involved sometimes and the corporate level. So he said some MLMs for sure are cults.
0: Interesting. And Jen just uh, put a message there in the chat room, which was a, a topic that you had brought up to us. And we were like, what? What is that? The Vow on HBO.
2: That's Nexium, Lance.
0: Yes. What is this? Tell me all about it.
2: OK, well, Inform I just need to, I need to just set the tone a little bit because I was texted today by you guys saying we're going to talk about UFOs. I said, perfect. And then maybe a little Nexium, And, you know, it's NXIVM capitals and you're like what is nexium and i'm like oh my gosh lance doesn't know so guys <laughs> help me out here um
0: tim did you know about it i don't think so
2: okay i don't want to talk the whole time so ask questions i'll give you a little groundwork and then you ask questions because it's what we do um, it's
1: like telling the grass to grow rebecca
4: <laughs>
2: okay you just do what you do and and stop stop me if you've heard this before but nexium actually started as a multi-level marketing company they're based in I'll give you the real like overview Albany New York there's a man named Keith Ranieri, uh self-proclaimed genius and I think he got his IQ score based on one of those places where you take it online and you pay for it so it's a little suspect like nobody's verified genius level but smart guy for sure spoke many languages played piano He started a company called Consumer Byline, which did end up being kind of a Ponzi scheme uh, scam and got shut down, you know, government, IRS, the whole thing. He regrouped and he was one of these people, like many cult leaders are, that was able to uh, convince other people of his intelligence, emotional maturity. You know, he had the secrets to life and he's very philosophical. He says many words, but they don't really mean anything. I call it verbal mumbo jumbo. Some people call it word salad, you know, so he has lots of, um, and he loved being filmed, so you can watch all his YouTube videos. Uh, So he got some people behind him with money, and they started a new program called ESP, which was Executive Success Program. So people signed up to take these courses, and they were expensive, like $5,000, three-day, five-day intensives, and it's all this uh, material on how to be a better person at your job and your relationships as a parent and your family everywhere. It was just self-improvement, like on steroids. And he amassed a major, major following to this group called Neck, which eventually was called Nexium. It led to having like a compound in Albany where a lot of people ended up moving. But he attracted some kind of like B-level celebrities. So the Vow focuses on a lot of actresses who got involved, like Allison Mack and Sarah Edmondson, um, lots of people from Battlestar Galactica and um, What really ended up kind of blowing up was a super, super subset of Nexium called DOS, which is Latin for master over slave. It's like Dominus something obsequium something. That little group was this master sex slave group. So there was a sex cult, tiny little fraction of this bigger cult that was called DOS. And they were branding women with this thing, this iron hot thing on their pubic area. And they were told it was going to be this symbol of mountains, air and wind or something like an abstract symbol. And it turned out it was a K.R., which is Keith Waniere's initials. And if you turned it sideways, it's an A and an M, which is Alison Mack. So Alison Mack was actually by the end of it kind of the next almost next in command. And so these women started getting this brand and a couple people just. Blew the whistle at that point, and um, the federal, the FBI was already investigating him. Actually, so when women came forward about the branding, it was like, it blew it wide open, and he was arrested in Mexico where he was hiding out. Um, but he has a group of like four or five women around him that have basically their job was to keep him safe, keep the group running, and to fund this. He had two women, the Brothman, Bronfman sisters, their heirs to the, um, the liquor. What's the liquor company? Oh, my gosh. Um, Seagram's. Yes, yes. I want to say Seymour's. Seagram's liquor granddaughters were behind this guy, and they put millions. And where their money was really most effective was he got sued everywhere all the time, and just they could fight all these lawsuits. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Hmm. Wow. We'll pause and ta- let that sink in. And uh... Yeah.
1: I, I do have some questions. I mean, I really – I, I want to know like how cult leaders get people to follow them. Like I know in that case specifically, it sounds like it was more money driven. Is that true? Or
2: it was money driven and that they had to pay to be part of it. And the p- program was never ending and you were always getting the next level, the next sash, right? There were these colored sashes. There was some Scientology um, similarities, but really I think what Keith Raniere did and what I think a lot of cult leaders do is they honed in on a vulnerability and, There were men in his group, but he really, I think, preyed on women, this deep kind of insecurity, like, I know I can be more. I just don't know how. And he claimed to have the secret. And I think he met with people that he that were at a certain season in their life that made them a little bit vulnerable. And I think that's what cult leaders do. I think they they convince somebody they possess the thing that person needs. And they're going to they're going to give you the secret. Like, it's like this amazing, like me, like, I can't believe it. So you feel like, okay sure, I have to do what? okay well, I can do that. That's weird. But then and then if you start seeing some results and according to these women, they did, they had some measures of success. um, You keep going, but you're also part of the tactic is isolation, right? So. The deeper in you get, the more you have to remove other people and that's where he wanted to have people living in groups and in homes together because the less outside influence, the better. Um, Another thing he did was he wanted women to be really, really thin. So at one point, the subset, the sex cult, really had to monitor all their daily intake and uh, of calories and they were just really, really, really unhealthy. There's also a secondary plot to this whole story, which is that there's like many missing women from the whole Nexium, like twenty years of Nexium being a thing or twenty years. Married. Well, Nexium's probably like, yeah, it's early two thousands, so we're getting close to twenty years, but prior to that he was doing other things. So there's um, a mysterious suicide. There is um, a mysterious death. There's a disappearance, and they all do have links to this group. So that's like a whole other story that's barely been. Um, I mean, they're investigated, but it's not even as well known as the cult itself. So it's it's wild, but it's it's like self help, new age, guru stuff, just ramped up to the highest, highest level.
1: But isn't it just disguised as that to attract people who are actually looking for themselves? Yes. And so the intentions by this guy, they were always bad. So he knew he was preying on people who were vulnerable.
2: I think so. I think in his distorted mind, he probably thought he was being helpful. I think he's got some, I would love to hear Um, Dr. Shiloh or Scott, if they're here, or any psychological person, talk about the profile of this person. I've got to think there's some psychopathy or uh, narcissism at the very minimum. I bet he was thinking he really was like God's gift to the world and these women. But yeah, this was a very shady operation and he very well knew that. Um, The women had to give collateral to be part of this subset. So. If I'm already in Nexium, I'm like years into it. And a girl in Nexium that I know and trust and would consider one of my closest friends said, hey, there's like this super secret women's empowerment group, that's what they called it, that not everybody here is doing. But I think you'd be perfect for it. I'm it. I want to tell you, but I can't. It's super secret. It's very exclusive. Um, I, I really want to tell you, but I can't. And you're like, well, no, tell me. And so she's like, well, you have to give me something. So I know you're not going to tell everybody this is happening because it's it's a little out of the box. It's a little out there. And you're like, okay, what do you need? And then you're like, well, just tell me one of your dirtiest secrets or send photos of yourself. or So people would lie. So then and... it's
0: like blackmail.
2: It's totally blackmail. They called yeah. it collateral. I mean, they even yeah. used their own term for it, but it's blackmail. So some woman made up stories saying, like, I cheated on my husband and sent a nude picture. And it wasn't even true, but they just right. wanted to. So they have that on a file, and that went away. And then they get the information that you can now be in DOS, and it's a super secret society of women. And nobody knew Keith was a part of it, but it turned out the whole basically aha moment for a lot of women was that Keith was actually behind it. He was watching all the brandings and he was, you know, orchestrating the entire thing.
0: Yeah. And Jen here says uh, her partner, who is a psychologist, said nexium was almost entirely based on self-hypnosis practices the cult tech was actually effective it was actually effective practices
2: yeah so nancy um salzman was like kind of the ceo of of nexium and she i forget who who made that comment she might know what she was a practitioner in but it was some kind of practice of this like Kind of like ESM, but not where you go back to your childhood and you get out these memories and she would perform this with the women and they would have profound experiences. So that was like a core element of it. So women really were or people, men and women were having really profound experiences in their personal transformation or growth or understanding of themselves. So I'm not saying they they were getting something out of it. I don't think you you alter your lifestyle to that extent if you weren't, you know, somewhat receiving something. So, yeah, it's it's um it just keeps getting weirder. That's the thing about it. It's just when I think I've read everything or heard everything, I'll, I'll hear something else. And he uh, really blew up a lot of people's lives. And
0: Well, she also says that it uh, is the same practices as what I, I mean, the same self-hypnosis practices as what's in The Secret. I've never read The Secret. People... I've heard people like rave about the secret and say you have to read it. I, I had my hands on it once in, in a bookstore, I think. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Cause there's another group of people who are like, yeah, don't even touch that book.
2: Yeah. I mean, I kind of think of it as like a cliche, that book and no disrespect if it's worked for you. I don't really know what even the premise is, but anything that tells me like it is the secret, I'm just naturally going to be super skeptical.
1: The law of attraction is what it's about. If you, okay. yeah. Okay. uh think think abundance or, out, yes gonna, exactly yeah. that's yeah. basically all it is yeah
2: okay um well we all just saved 24 to 95 um yeah I don't know so that's that's uh Keith and they're, they all went to trial um what's interesting what I find really Keith ranieri is in a holding cell in Brooklyn awaiting sentencing he was convicted okay. on all charges from fraud to sex trafficking also there was What he did with the women in the photos was sex trafficking, but there were minors being trafficked in his home in Albany. Um, Illegal residents, illegal, is that the word? Undocumented, undocumented citizens, uh, undocumented residents living in his home. And um, he brought them from Mexico to tutor them, got the mom kind of drinking the Kool-Aid. And um, the girl was like literally locked up and it's a really bad story. It's dark. It's really not like a benign. This is where you see destruction versus a benign kind of self-help thing where you're like, well, I'm out 10 grand and my life's not any better, but oh, well, this was not that. This is like very, very damaging.
0: Did anybody try to escape?
2: Yeah. Well, they, if you wanted to leave, you could leave at any time. That's the thing. I don't know about at at any any time. Yeah. You would get a lot of um, pushback and resistance and... A lot of what we're seeing in the vow is women would say they wanted to go or they're having some red flags or concerns. And they're like, that's just your fear talking. You always do this. This is your pattern. You get you get so close and then you quit and you're scared. And they're like, that's true. I do do that. And so it kept a lot of people there, um, which is just but they they again make you feel like you have the agency to leave. Nobody had handcuffs on them, except I think these minor girls, which holy shit, but wow, um the adults were able to go a lot were married and had children, and their husband they were spouses in the program together. But when this woman got branded, her husband like flipped out, and that's kind of when it started tumbling the the dos part um and what's interesting about the vow on hBO it exists the footage. There is incredible footage of meetings and retreats and conventions because one of the most successful members was a documentary maker and he had bought in full fully. I mean, he'd given up his life to to follow Keith Raniere and learn of his ways. So he just followed him with a camera, but he ended up being a whistleblower but he has all the footage. So he sold that to HBO. And so this documentary is like the source material is Hmm. as intimate as it gets. This is not just people sitting down and talking into a camera. Like this is my experience. It's you watch it. And it's, I mean, is anybody watching it? It's like chills. It's, it's hard to watch, but I also can't stop watching.
1: Jason in the chat room is no uh, Jen has seen it, I guess. Uh, No, I have not even heard of it for God's sake. What a jerk.
2: And they're releasing <laughs> week by week, one episode at a time, which is like,
1: how what? dare they? What is this? How what is, is this, Two
2: thousand
0: and
1: one?
2: Seriously? Yeah, was,
1: was this nineteen
2: fifty four? Honestly. What so, is this,
0: Eighteen twenty
2: two? Any year before twenty twenty, always. Yeah, they're making us. They're making us wait for it. So it, episode four was just out last Sunday, and there's nine parts. So.
0: No kidding.
2: It is a good one, man. It's so good.
0: I'm uh I'm really interested in this because of the leader aspect from from uh you know Charlie Manson to David Koresh, um I forgot the name of the guy who is the Scientology guy Mus- Mus- Musgrove,
1: oh Muskevich you're
0: talking Muskevich Muskevich yeah 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 sorry yeah yeah so
1: yeah L Ron Hubbard started it but yeah
0: right but that that the Muskevich is like taken over he's like it really fascinates me because it comes across as uh they have all of this compassion they're so full of compassion the leader yeah
2: yeah yeah oh my gosh everything he talks about is wouldn't it be beautiful if and imagine a world where i mean it's like it's nausea i actually find that like super unattractive and unappealing i'm like that's so that's such a weird i want the world to be a better place but who really sits around and talks like that like he doesn't do a lot but he says a lot you know and um it's kind of gross. And what I think is very interesting and speaks to maybe his narcissism is he would not plead guilty. Every woman that had charges against her pled guilty to avoid a harsher sentence and to hopefully get deals. And they're all working on those right now, but Keith wouldn't. And so he is maintaining innocence and waiting for sentence. And, and you know, from who I'm talking to, that is not gonna work in his favor as any true crime person would know. And I think he's gonna spend a really long time in prison possibly a life sentence like and so. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's also women who are dancing outside the
0: prison to support him. But, but these are very dangerous people. Like this is,
2: yeah, no, it's... they can't be out here. Like, yeah. yeah, no, no.
0: So how, how did, did I miss it? How did Allison Mack, the, uh, actress get involved with, with this?
2: Uh, someone invited her. Another actress, uh, invited her. And what's crazy is anyone who's watching on episode four, they showed the moment where Alice and Mac met Keith Raniere and anyone who's following Nexium knows right now she became like the superstar the face of it and the leader of DOS like there's there's audio of her and Keith having the conversation about the brand what it will look like what the ceremony will be but she started out like everybody she went to their middle of the night volleyball game if that's not a red flag I don't know what it is.
0: I got, I got one coming up in like two and a half hours.
2: Don't go. <laughs> Do not go save Jim's yourself. <laughs> hosting
0: it. What are you talking about? Mid- midnight volleyballs. You know, volleyball though. No, it was like ball. middle of the
2: night. Like it's so weird. Right. So she goes to that and you see this footage when she first meets Keith and she looks like her eyes are glazed over and she wanted to move ahead in her career and she wasn't. And she always felt like she was made for more and you know, she wasn't finding that. And, um, you know, she asked him to do an EM on her, which is their word for their term for, um, Oh shit. What is the, uh,
1: bullshit? I think.
2: Yeah. It's like educational module, but it's not educational uh, module. Somebody's going to come up with it, but it's their process. She's like, could you EM me right now? Cause she'd heard about it. And he's like, that's not really how I do it, but we've already kind of done <laughs> it a little bit. You know, he doesn't just like do it on the spot. It was really, you felt like you were watching something. Um, just, it just had like, Warning signs all over it. It did not look right. And, uh, that's how she got involved. She just got, she was enamored with him, I think. And if you could see him, like, you know, he's no, he's no Tim or Lance. Let me tell you.
0: Well, I mean, I'm a who is, but you know, I mean, I'm enamored with John Lorden, but if John Lorden asked me to play volleyball at midnight, I well no I would I probably you'd probably say would. yeah where? I definitely would yeah <laughs> where and do you have do you have the balls
2: nobody that could ask me that that I would say yes to not my husband not my firstborn like nobody
0: from DNA testing
1: to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com.
3: Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Kickoff for Super Bowl 34. The Titans-Rams 2000 Super Bowl. An instant classic. Hours after the game, two men were stabbed in the street. Accused of being in the middle, the greatest linebacker in NFL history.
4: Ray Lewis and two friends
3: are charged with murder. The nation's eyes were glued to their televisions. The trial concluded, and the verdicts came back. Not guilty. What you can learn from all this is that big cases make for big mistakes. Look what happened to O.J. Simpson. And look what happened to Ray Lewis. Lewis went on to have a Hall of Fame career. But questions around that night in Atlanta... Still remain. So, what do you think they're hiding? They know what happened. They know exactly what happened. After 20 years, it's time to get to the bottom line truth. From Tenderfoot TV, I'm Tim Livingston, and this is The Raven. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For ad free listening and early access, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus on tenderfootplus.com. True terrors
4: of horror. Bizarre happenings, unexplainable events, on our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience.
1: But but what is it though to make a cult leader? And then this m- makes me think that there are potentially a bunch of these kind of people just waiting out there, and, and be- because I think it's got to be the perfect storm, right? Like it has to just come together for this situation. Upbringing, like personality, and then like this uh, person's situation has to really like. I feel like that might be the most rare part of this whole thing
2: yeah, I think it's a numbers game, too, which is why I think cults proselytize and go out to attract new members because there's always people leaving cults. I think you know that's something the guest that I just talked to, one of his jobs is deprogramming and doing interventions. So family members will call him and they bring in a member of a person uh, a family who's in a cult, and their job, his job is to help bring them out. So people are always leaving, so it's it's a numbers thing. The more people you can latch onto and get in and get through some of the process, the better. And yeah, it's like this confluence of, of crazy circumstances, the right person at the right time or wrong time. But um,
0: Jade had a pretty good question. She asked Dr. Shiloh, how does this uh, fall into the dark triad that we've talked about? Yeah, which is, um, well, is, does Dr. Shiloh want to pop on? I know she was just in traffic.
1: Let's open up this,
0: oh, uh, this fourth home. box here for the- She's uh, eating. She's eating. Uh, <laughs> well. I was eating too, but I threw it all on the floor right before. Yeah. This
2: is interesting because Shannon just said Keith was extremely well-spoken, and I actually didn't find that. Um, I think he used a lot of words, but that's interesting you say that, and I'd like to hear why you thought more of that. Maybe it's because we know. Maybe we have the hindsight of knowing he was such a, a bullshitter that I don't trust his words. Maybe if I were there, I would have- um, absorb them differently and I will say and I and I I don't I don't want to um, disparage victims of cults because to be really honest with you I think there's a time in my life that I might have said yes to an invitation to like an ESP seminar like you know I really do I don't think and I think a lot of women if they're honest or a lot of people m- would have maybe gone to that first one what happened after that I think really depends on your reaction to it and all of that but the way they sell it was really appealing, and if you're someone who is always kind of wanting big things for your life, I could see saying yes. And then you hear him speak, and you might, you might re- it might resonate with you. Maybe it's because I know what he did that um, I don't hear that. So I just thought that was interesting. But
1: yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, being spiritual and um, trying to express yourself in certain ways. There are a lot of groups out there. Most of them are not run by uh narcissistic cult leaders. You think maybe?
2: Well, no, I don't think they're cult leaders, but I think we've had another conversation where I've told you like celebrity culture and movie stars have some of the same attributes mm-hmm. and the same fandom around them that appeal, that charisma, there is something to it and I felt really validated because Rick Allen Ross the guy I was talking to said, you know, is Steve Jobs a cult leader? No, but he's somehow convinced you know, millions of us to put a lot of money into <laughs> refurbishing our, our products all the time and replacing them. Like there is a cult following around his product and his work. So it's interesting. I think there's some common characteristics that can go to places that aren't destructive, but you could find them in like a really successful CEO or movie star and a cult leader.
1: I agree. Yeah, a lot of the same qualities in place.
0: Well, it's it's very interesting that you brought up Steve Jobs and how he convinced us to need something that we never knew existed, you, you know, a a year ago. And now it's like, how can I live without this? Um, I feel like, uh, and then it also reminded me when you said that you would have done, what is it, the EVP or what is it, the, the E?
2: Executive Success Program, ESP.
0: ESP. Well... I feel like everybody needs some sort of validation, and I feel like uh, social media is a bit of a cult as well because uh, they figured out a way where you know they can time the they can time the likes of something they can and you can get the notifications that have been systematically delivered to your devices, uh, so you can go through your day getting this uh, consistent injection of validation, this sort of slow drip of validation, and that 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 is very cult like to me as as well. Um, I'm not saying anything against social media or anything, but
1: no, it can be used really, really badly. Look at QAnon.
0: QAnon, yeah. That, we talked yeah.
2: about QAnon. QAnon. It, what we need to know is if QAnon is a real entity or just a made-up like thing. But if that that very well, that's
0: a cult. It's a few people that I mean. It's just my theory because I don't think that there's. I don't think it it's this, Q. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. It was a few people that just saw something take off like wildfire. And they're they 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 are now realizing how easy it is to just put something out there and watch it spread. And that's part of that doc that you were talking about, Tim, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot about that. Um, Not yeah, not too much about QAnon specifically, a a little bit,
0: but just about like the false broadcast or the false headlines that can be put out there, the the false accounts that can be put out there, and how fast that spreads.
1: Yeah, faster than true news. Yeah, yeah. Because what is that? Because like
0: people want to see the train wreck.
1: No, through social media, I think specifically. I think I think maybe there's something about uh the story being close to something you believe, you know what I mean? And it so it like affirms your belief and then you, you just immediately share it or like it because of that
0: like the UFO thing.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's triggering a strong reaction and then you have to bring more people into it. And it goes back to the confirmation bias. I mean, everything QAnon is saying is confirming what other people believe.
1: But it's so bonkers. What's
0: up, Jillian? Jillian's in the house. I almost said bonkers is in the house.
5: (laughs) She's already here. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking, do you guys think we're going to see more people joining cults after everything that's gone on this year because you have so many people that are so isolated and disconnected and just sitting at home all the time? They're going to be looking for that like group to belong to?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like everything's becoming more divisive, especially when uh, the latest last few elections have rolled around. It really feels like that. Uh, So, yeah, kind kind of. Uh, I never felt like that before, though, you know, before 2016.
0: I've never felt like that before either. I'll be I'll be shocked if after November we're not walking around in a burning dystopian wasteland. That I'm fully expecting that I'm fully expecting there to be cults on every street corner and fires burning out of garbage cans in the winter.
2: I wonder too, if, if like what Tim was saying, people are finding comfort because everything's so polarized and divisive right now. It's so comforting to people who think like you. So you're going to find them. And I think we're seeing that in the benign ways of like social media tribes and politically, But yeah, I do wonder about cults, but I do think cults also use like very on the ground tactics and like a lot of what they do is so in person that I wonder how they're having to adapt their strategy to um, like everybody for pandemic. We'll just have Zoom meetings. Yeah, I know, but exactly. So that would be interesting because I've um, been approached, I think I told you guys this once, I've been approached by what I think is a cult and I asked this man, because I did tell him the name, because I didn't want to say the name in case they weren't a cult. And he verified they are a very active cult. And they have a huge presence in New York City and New Jersey. I've been approached by them two times in real real life. But then they found me on Instagram, which I thought was really interesting, to your point. And they messaged me and invited me to a Bible study via my Instagram. And I did not give them my handle. I don't think I gave them my name. So it could just be, again, lots of people putting it out there just broadly, maybe not connected to those people, but very scary. And he said it's one of the fastest growing cults in the world and um, that they target college and post-grad. so i was like oh really i was like i should have said yes <laughs> like that's amazing but um yeah they're like going for younger people because they want you know to rise up and stay for a long time so
5: cool. so i lived in the city like 10 years ago and you had all these people that thought the world was going to end in like 2011 or 2012 every time you went in the subway there'd be you know handing out flyers that kind of stuff could move online so easily
2: true we just saw that in July, right? Because Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell said July something 2020 was it. And there were 144,000 people and they were going up and everyone else was screwed. And then obviously the day came and went. Um, and what this man, Rick, told me was that Holt leaders get around that by saying, well, God just told me the date has changed. We're safe for now. There's more work to do. We have a new mission. Like, and there, and, and And people eat it up
1: oh well i i just honestly this QAnon thing is one of the one of the most annoying things to me in in the in the land right now uh it, and and you see it sometimes with these these karen and kevin videos too out there that i'm like completely fascinated by we've texted a little bit with uh dr shiloh and dr scott uh scott about this but like what is that this too this is this plays into all this because this is a little uh cult that has developed like i was watching one one today there's like uh 10 people marching through a target there, there was an, an anti-mask parade through a target
2: yeah
5: so so lovely that video felt off to me like it felt like they were doing it just like not because they really believe it they just wanted to cause a scene and have people sharing their video you know what i mean like it didn't
2: yeah which like, is equally really problematic bigger.
5: yeah which is just yeah, yeah but i it's like a different kind of thing than truly believing what you're saying and marching around like that.
0: Okay. 100%. 100% yeah. agree with you. Because you know what it is. It's such an easy thing to protest, the, the non-mask wearing thing. It's such an easy protest. You don't really have to do anything. You just have to say, I'm not wearing a mask. Why? It's taking away my, my liberties, my rights. And that's all you have to do. It's not like, it's not like anyone's organizing the Million Man Watch uh, March on Washington. They're just marching through Target because they know they hit social media.
1: No, but there is some organization of it. Like, uh, like if you watch a lot of those, the, those people will say the same kind of thing. They will say, "No, you 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 can't tell me that. You're going to get a seventy five thousand dollar fine. You're going to get fined seventy five thousand dollars. That's for real. You you can't don't come near me. Don't you know? They all do the. Yeah. It's like the exact same script that they follow. Yeah, because it's easy. That was an audition it's- for it, Kevin. Yeah. Gonna, I,
0: think. I saw that on <laughs> on some shaky camera phone video. You see the guy who who punched a waitress. Uh, because, yeah, he the he had his pants hanging down like almost to his crotch. He had no shirt on. He was talking about the Nazi party and he was talking about not wearing a mask. And the the hostess or a waitress came up to him and he, as he was being escorted out, and he just winds up and punches her in the face. And I mean, he proceeded to get his ass kicked after the, he wasn't getting out of that restaurant, but. I mean, it's so easy to protest like that. If you don't have the mental wherewithal to understand what the world's about at any given time, you could just say anything and do anything. It's ridiculous.
2: It is so interesting that the QAnon is so political and that the mass conversation is so political that somehow this pandemic and COVID-19 has revealed this. I've always understood the core differences between a Democrat and a Republican, but this has gone so, this like transcends that to such a point that everything, everything is political, including an illness, a virus. It's just so weird that, you know, if someone's not wearing a mask, you know where they fall politically. I mean, that's just the truth. And I think that's really weird. Am I wrong? Are there like
1: hardcore
2: Democrats not wearing a mask and being like, going off at target? I don't think so. And I'm not even trying to make this. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, I think it's really weird.
1: Yeah. The whole thing's become, become, you know, choose your cult.
2: I don't understand it. And now I feel like I've attended people because I'm sure there's Republicans wearing masks. Let me back. Oh yeah. of
1: course.
2: (laughs) I'm sure I'm related to some too. Um, so let me be clear. They're probably, but I just mean if they're not wearing a mask and they're mouthing off about it, like you can just make every assumption about it politically and be
0: right. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I would like to look at the statistics of, um, I love my family, but certain members of my family have said, uh, you know, if you walked into a bank wearing a, a just a face mask, you know, before all this, you'd be told to get right out of there. Obviously, like, if you walked into a bank wearing a, a mask, yes, they're probably going to, to, to tell you to take the mask off. But I would like to see the statistics on how many people have gone into a bank and taken advantage of this situation and worn a mask and robbed it. I guarantee you, I it's probably on like one hand I could count that, right? First of all, who robs banks anymore in person other than Joe Gibbons? <laughs> I mean, everybody's required to wear a mask. It's not like you're going in there with like you know your ski mask on and and a backpack that looks like you've got a shotgun in it.
5: My Facebook feed lately is just all about it's all garbage about child trafficking and child porn and all this stuff. that's not even real. And, you know, they have nothing to back it up. There are all these fake news stories. And it wasn't always like that. Like, it just seems like I don't know if it started with QAnon or with Pizzagate, but everybody all of a sudden is obsessed with like child trafficking and all these things. And they don't even understand what it really is.
0: Where the Pizzagate thing start. Was that QAnon as well?
5: That's like pre QAnon.
0: Right, right. Okay. But
5: I think a lot of the people that are like getting into this now and posting these like fake stories about kids being trafficked and all this stuff probably don't know what QAnon is, right? It's just sort of grown
2: out of that. They're just hearing it and like jumping on. Yeah.
0: Oh, so Ryan said that it was at, is it Alex Jones that started the Pizzagate?
1: Oh, I think he's
0: right. Yeah. That does sound familiar.
2: Yeah, yeah the Wayfair thing. They're the ones that blew the Wayfair thing up. I mean, do you remember that when they were saying Wayfair yeah. was trafficking children through their furniture sales? Yeah,
1: yeah. This is all really bad because when there are people, this is like the boy who cried wolf. Like, so when when there is this situation actually happening now, people aren't gonna necessarily. I mean, obviously, it's something you got to take seriously no matter what. But you- yeah, and
2: it is happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, you might seem like a conspiracy theorist, too. If you're if you're calling, you're saying, hey, wait a second, this person who's who's saying they're reporting all these child porn accounts and people and who are trafficking uh, is actually behind some of it. You're going to look crazy.
0: Yeah. So that's I think the, it's a gaslighting ele- element of the whole thing. It's, Absolutely. It's massive gaslighting. Yeah.
5: There was um, a long article last week or week before about that. You know, the marshals, they had. Have- The headlines were that it was like a big takedown of this child trafficking ring. They didn't get it quite right. It was, you know, activities that had gone on over two weeks, really. Um, So this article broke down all these individual cases and who these kids were. And, you know, most of them were runaways. Um, One of them was wanted for murder. uh, But they're all (laughs) of these like really complicated situations of kids that have been in foster care and you know, do you put them back in foster care where they're going to run away and become homeless again? Um, and you know, all of the really complicated details and nobody's really talking about that. Everybody's just like, Oh my God, all these kids are being sex trafficked when it's much more complicated than that.
2: Yeah. If I can find it. I would love to read that.
0: But it's just, it's so easy to put it all in one, one package, you know, to, to, put a bow on it and say we we got them all they're all being trafficked through this one house and we shut it down and now we're going to move on to the next case but the nuances are, are what you're talking about and and that's something that i don't i don't know if people it's either they don't have the energy or they don't have the um attention span to look into it any further
1: hey, it's really a disturbing topic people don't want to look into that too i think that's part of it
0: that's a good point
2: people want an answer, right? And so maybe that's like the whole kind of thread to the whole conversation is people are willing to accept something because it's a definitive or they want to accept it as a definitive instead of living in the mystery or the gray like Michelle was saying it's so much more these cases are more complicated like that it's, that requires energy and bandwidth and looking into something so it's easier to just say it's this or that
0: right cuz and what does that tell you that they don't like why don't they want to talk about that is that just because it identifies a, a a section of the population that they don't want to admit exists because then it's a responsibility on them
2: yes yeah. in my opinion yes mm mm-hmm.
5: Well, yeah, this is something Michelle and I talk about all the time with social media. And when you're you know, posting about missing person cases, how honest can you be? You know, you want to put important information out there, but you still want people to be sympathetic. So you have to find that balance because if you're too honest about some people, then people stop caring.
0: But there's life on Venus. We can all move there. Start over. To the three square miles on Venus that isn't on fire, we'll just anoint one
1: one supreme leader, and then we'll be all set. that That person will just will rule it all, and we'll, we won't have to worry. We can trust that person because we know their their hopes will be after our you know benefits too.
0: Right, and it'll be John Lorden <laughs>